TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's a two-podcast week for the Scoop Podcast. This is Scoop Podcast episode 172, going on now over two and a half years strong. If you missed episode 171 earlier this week, it included an interview with Jake Wenicky, former Vikings wide receiver, the pride of Maple Grove. So there were other reasons to listen, but certainly... That was one of the highlights, one of the headlines of episode 171. The headline here with this episode will be this conversation with wild defenseman Ryan Suter. Let's catch up with Ryan, especially after he suffered that very serious injury back on March 31st in Dallas. Ryan, it's always great to catch up as you look back to March 31st, the injury in Dallas to now. I mean, we're talking about a five-month period. How impressed are you? How amazed are you at your recovery? Because from all indications, you're ready to go here, you know, late next week when, when training camp begins. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I'm obviously extremely uh, happy with, with where I'm at right now. Um, you know, five months ago when this first happened, you, you had a lot of doubters and a lot of people telling me that don't expect to be ready for camp, you know, hopefully by, you know, January, end of November, um, in, in between there, like ex- that's probably realistically when you'll be back. And, um, I had a good summer of training and I kind of got right back into it here. There were actually people who doubted you. There's always doubters, right? <laughs> in well, anything you do. Sure. But I mean, heck you're, you've got hall of fame credentials. You are a machine. You're a physical freak. I mean, I just, I don't know who the heck would would question whether you could be back in five or six months. Yeah, you know that uh, that was the one thing for me mentally that I had to make sure of was my goal is to be back for training camp, and I'm going to go into the start of the year just like every other start of every other year I've I've done. Um, so for me, that was that was the biggest thing, and once you start saying oh maybe you need a couple more weeks then I think that just sets you back and your mind is is a pretty powerful powerful thing when it comes to healing were there some medical professionals that maybe were doubting I mean didn't we hear initially I mean early April weren't there some whispers that that the injury you sustained could be career threatening that's what people were saying but you can't uh, like I said you can't you can't listen to that and that's just noise and you just got to focus on on yourself and getting better what was the official diagnosis? Broken right ankle? Yeah, broken right talus and a uh, broken right fibula. So, And was the yeah. toughest part, Ryan, just those first handful of weeks when you're just sitting there on the couch, not able to do anything? Yeah, probably the first three months when I couldn't put any weight on it and I just had to sit there. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm used to being on my feet and, and doing things and haven't uh, – your, your wife's making you every meal and you can't really do anything. Uh, we had a new baby, so you can't really help with that. Uh, just, yeah, it was, it, uh, it was, it was tough. It was challenging, but we're past that and we're, uh, we're stronger for having to go through it. And you're able to do everything you want to be able to do on the ice right now. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. 
so far so good so just i mean my 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 thing is is that uh you you want to just keep pushing pushing and pushing uh but i i feel like i have to talk everybody into letting me oh it's okay you know let me let me go scrimmage today with the guys or whatever it is i feel like i'm always having to show people that i i can do it like i'm fine like just let me go play that's that's been the toughest thing is because people are people want to slow me down and I don't want that to happen. And I mean, is is the person that is trying to slow you down the most your general manager, Paul Fenton? Uh, he did last week. Um, yeah, he he uh, he told me he didn't want me playing. I, we went to Ann Arbor. I went with Zach, and mm-hmm. I went out there for a fundraiser. And he told me he didn't want me playing in the game, which I understood. Uh, he hadn't seen me skate. Uh, and, but I mean, and trainers, they just don't want to, to rush it and they don't want uh, any setbacks basically. You have to understand some of that though, right? The fact that you're, no, I, you're the yeah, franchise exactly. player, I you know, totally, facing the franchise totally in many ways, what, yeah. what, what they're going through and why they're doing it. But you know, no one knows your body better than yourself. Now, how much will they hold you back for that first day on the ice? You guys are on the ice, what, September 14th, first day of training camp. Will they hold you back even those first handful of days of camp? No, well, they told me that, uh, like, I skated today with all the guys. We skated for 40 minutes, and then we scrimmaged for, like, a half hour, 40 minutes after that. So um, they, they told me that they that I didn't have to do the testing and those type things. But part of me wants to kind of do that to, you know, make, make everyone just quit talking about it. <laughs> what, was, what was it like that first time that you, uh, A, got back on the ice just to skate, and then that first time that whether it was in Madison or here that you were able to play, you know, whether it was highly competitive, fairly competitive, but just playing, you know, whether it was three on three or five on five. Yeah. So probably it was, when was it? It was uh, maybe like second to last week in July. Uh, we had our hockey camps going on in Madison. And uh, so that was the first time I put my skate on and it, uh, it was tough to, tough to, to get on right away. Um, but I mean, once you you keep putting it on, your ankle starts to realize what's going on, and um, the pain kind of goes away. And uh, so that was the first time on my skates for the first couple of weeks, basically just standing around and out there with all the kids. And and then uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, started skating with uh, like our USHL guys back in Madison, some college guys, some other pro guys that are there doing our normal summer skates that we've done uh, the past probably 15 years that I've been going back there in the summertime. Um, and that kind of brings us to today. We're had a, had a good skate today and um, going to be out there again tomorrow. What was the toughest part to get back to this point? Was it the, the mental hurdles or the physical hurdles? Uh, I mean, I probably, I mean, it's just uh when when you you break something and I'm sure a lot of people know the feeling you break something and then you your your foot or whatever ankle is kind of deformed right so you have to get it into a skate and you have to be able to to perform uh, with that skate on so I, I feel like that was the biggest thing just the, how tender it was like the first couple of weeks of putting my skate back on. Was there any positive? Like, are you stronger now in your upper body because you were able to focus on maybe working on your upper body a little bit there when when you couldn't work on your lower body? 
a lot of curls or what? Yeah, no, I don't know. I, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I tried to work out the same. I worked out every other summer. I just wasn't able to do some things on my right side. So, all right. Um, so, I mean, you're feeling yeah, great I, all around. I mean, that's that's the best way to say it. That you I, feel. I mean, heck, are you? Can we say you're 100 percent even? Uh, let's say 99.9 percent. But I mean, there's there's <laughs> put it this way. I mean, what people probably want to hear more than anything is October 4th season opener. Yeah, at oh, Colorado, probably. there's nothing to worry about. No, I will be dialed in, ready to go for that. That's still a month away, and I, uh, I'm a lot further ahead than I thought I would be, that's for sure. Or, sorry, than people thought I would be. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think you ever doubted in your mind. How do you, how do you look yeah. back at your first six years here, Ryan? I mean, you guys, you guys make the playoffs every year. I mean, there's not many teams that make the playoffs six consecutive years. In fact, right now, is it, is it just Anaheim, maybe Pittsburgh? It's, it's rare. Most teams don't have this sort of sustained success of making the playoffs, but obviously the flip side is you guys haven't made any deep runs in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think you know that's a, that's a good characteristic to have as a team. Um, to be making the playoffs consistently is is very important. Obviously, you got to get to the playoffs to to have a chance uh, at the Stanley Cup. Um, but our team, you know, we've kind of fallen short the last obviously the last six years and, and haven't been able to make that, that hurdle to, to, you know, give, give yourself more of a chance. Um, so I, I think our biggest thing is obviously you have to continue to, to make the playoffs and have that mindset that, you know, it's going to be, you have to work hard throughout the year to, to get into a good spot and you just have to, to take that next step. Was that the toughest part last April when you're watching your teammates there try to battle Winnipeg and you're just sitting there on the couch knowing that you can't help them? Yeah, that that was that was pretty tough. Um, knowing that you, you work all year and with four games left, I get hurt, and right before playoffs, you're not able to to help the guys. Um, yeah, that, that was probably the biggest thing, the most disappointing thing. Do you have another handful of years? I mean, heck, you have seven years left in your contract. In your mind, are you playing at least another seven years? Uh, I think I'll play longer, but yeah, for now, that's that's all uh, all I have in, on my mind. But um, I want to win, and um, hopefully, we can uh, we can do that in the near future here. I mean, I guess it's not a bad thing when you've got all your guys back, right, from a team that. That has made the playoffs year in and year out, right? I mean, this core group can still make a run, some sort of run, right? I, I agree. I think uh, obviously we have the same group of guys back, so hopefully we can continue to have good seasons uh, where we make the playoffs and then take that next step. And and you know, everyone needs to be healthy. Number one, uh, number two, it's just you you gotta you gotta find a way mentally, physically to. to over that that hurdle how is zach doing i mean did you skate with zach today yeah he was out there yep he was he looked good he was moving good um he's uh he's a machine he works hard that's for sure i mean you look at his run after about 15 or 20 games after he came back i mean those last handful of games he was a goal scoring machine i mean (laughs) i'm wondering if if we can see the the zach parisi of, of new jersey maybe i sure hope so i know he's hoping so um, I, I know I've talked to him and I know he's feeling pretty confident in where he's at, uh, and especially with how he finished. Um, I mean, I, uh, 
we need everybody to, to, to be at the top of their game. And um, Zach is, is a huge contributor when, when he's on. I'll leave you with this, Ryan. You were, you were saying that you were skating back in Madison with some of your USHL guys. Take us through your involvement. You own a USHL team, right? Yeah, yep. So we, we own a USHL team in Madison, the Madison Capitals. Um, and uh, we're actually doing a bunch of renovations to our rink back in Madison. Um, to hoping to get that thing um, squared away before the season starts. And it's uh, a lot of people that are helping us on that and making sure that it's done right. Guessing you're you're very hands-on, right? I mean, whether it comes to, to the business side or even the, you know, get-down-and-dirty renovation side. Oh, yeah. I was, I was uh, there, you know, when I first came back, I couldn't really do much. I was on a crutch, and then once I got rid of that crutch, though, I was able to, to get in and help them. And uh, going back later this week to, you know, to make sure things are still moving well and help out where I can and, and then I'll be up here for good, and they kind of got to do their thing, and we're going to do ours up here. I like it, Ryan. Always a pleasure to catch up, and we'll certainly see you at the at the renovated practice rink. I think the practice rink is it's all done now, right? I think they yeah, sent us an invitation. Yep, we'll, we'll us media jackals will get a tour. I think sometime uh, late next week. I hear it's phenomenal. Yeah, it is. It's unbelievable. It's almost too big. <laughs> Nothing to complain about, though. Yeah, exactly. All right. Great news from one of the best players on the wild, defenseman Ryan Suter. I've got some Wolves notes. I've got the teams that will scout Saturday night's Gophers-Fresno State college game at TCF Bank Stadium. I've got a couple other things. I will go notes at the end, but we'll go one more interview here on Scoop Podcast episode 172. Let's catch up with... Former Vikings offensive tackle. He was on the 1998 team. He is in town this weekend for the 1998 reunion. Over 30 players, other luminaries tied to the 1998 team in town for a dinner Saturday night. There's other events going on. I know a lot of the guys played golf on Friday. Then they'll be at the game on Sunday. He is Todd Stussy. Todd, it's always great to catch up. I hope life is treating you well. You'll be in town tomorrow morning, Saturday morning morning how much Todd are you looking forward to the reunion this weekend yeah no I'm really looking forward to seeing uh old teammates old uh old friends uh it's been uh it's been way too long since I've ventured up north and uh seen some of these guys so I uh I appreciate the Wolves for making this happen is there anybody in particular that you're looking forward to seeing the most the superstar, of course. <laughs> I, I actually don't even know if he's going to be there. But uh, no, the usual suspects. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I try not to focus on the guys that aren't going to be there, but rather than the reality is I haven't seen a lot of them or spoken to a lot of them in quite some time. I keep up pretty regularly with Robert Smith. Uh, spoke to Robert Griffith last week. Uh, talked to Pete Bursich once in a while, but uh, – Life has gotten me pretty busy right now, and I, I, I've been neglectful with all my friends, uh, kind of across the board. So it's, uh, it'll be, it'll be a nice uh, opportunity. Is it safe to presume that there's at least one free dinner, if not multiple, that are in play? Because if there is, then you know that superstar will be there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll venture. I don't know if he's. Uh, I haven't seen an official invite list. I don't know if one exists or not, but uh, I, I imagine that. Uh, 
I know Randall McDaniels is going to be there, and I got to imagine Morris won't be too far behind. What is the itinerary? I mean, what will keep you busy the what two two and a half days that you'll be here? Uh, they're going to be uh, taking us through the new practice center. Uh, we get a chance to tour the stadium on Saturday. Um, I think there's a meal uh, at the the hotel, uh, kind of a meet greet. I'm not exactly sure. I I know it's uh, no jeans allowed, so Morris probably won't be there for that. <laughs> but uh, Pantera shirt optional. Um, but uh, um, so. Um, and then obviously the game on on Sunday. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the new stadium. It's uh, I've seen it from across the river. I was up here two summers ago for the uh, Larry Fitzgerald's uh, um, family, uh, mm-hmm. like annual gala for his uh, family's charity event, and uh, saw the saw the stadium from across the river, and it looked pretty impressive. I look forward to get a chance to see how it is on game day you said that life's keeping you busy that you wish you could get up here more often what what specifically is keeping you busy um school work um i um went back and finished my undergrad at berkeley and then got my mba at kellogg i'm actually just starting a another master's program in data science it'll begin uh in a cup uh in the 24th so soon to be back in the student role again but uh my primary gig is i'm uh i'm the ceo of uh of a healthcare analytics company and um we co-founded that in 2014 and like many small businesses it's it's not always uh um kind of a straight path things there's been struggles here and there and it uh it's taken a lot of attention it's kind of like a uh a newborn where uh, you kind of got to get them to crawl and then walk and that kind of thing. So that's, that's kept us uh, significantly occupied. And then family, obviously I have two uh, boys that were born in the twin cities and uh, one of them is actually going off to college in about two weeks. Uh, Him and I both start school at the same time. And um, then I have another one that's a senior here in St. Louis and, uh, so we'll be going through another college uh, experience shortly. And so St. Louis is is home base. I guess I could have figured that with your with your three one four area yeah. code, and I'm giving out your full phone number. But St. Louis is home base. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. Uh, I don't know, forever or not. Uh, for the immediate, uh, we decided it was a good place to raise kids. A little bit easier than California, where my wife and I are from, in terms of a uh, uh, kind of uh, just the there's plenty of uh, struggles when it comes to raising kids, as everyone knows. And it's a, uh, uh, it's a little bit easier here in St. Louis in terms of some of the challenges that are associated with uh, culture, et cetera, versus uh, California. Yeah, I actually think it's a very similar kind of um, feel as Minneapolis, just without the weather challenges. As the years move on, as you look back on the 98 season, does the pain of the way the season ended, does it get less painful the more that time goes on, that you can more celebrate 15 regular season wins, you know, at the time scoring the most points in a season? Heck, I mean, for you individually, I mean, did you even give up a sack that year? I mean, you, just on an individual basis, had an excellent year. As time goes on, can you forget the pain of that NFC Championship game loss? 
No, not really. Uh, I mean, I only gave up a half a sack up until the last game, and then I gave up a sack uh, Chuck Smith that obviously uh, – I mean, there's plenty of moments that are attributable to the loss, whether it be Gary or some drop interception possibilities, some drop uh, touchdowns. It Everyone has theirs. Mine is uh, the sack that I gave up at the end of the first half. So um, perfection has always eluded me. It never was uh, something that uh, I was able to attain. But it, you know what? I don't know. The I've It's not as painful, but it – I haven't put it into a different category. It's still that season's a disappointment, and uh, there's only one team every year that finishes with a win, and I've never had that experience. I was able to make it to the uh, to the uh, Super Bowl with the Panthers a couple years after that, but we lost to New England like many other teams have done over the last 20 years, and um, so it's. Uh, but I mean, I, I guess. I was talking to Dan Barrera the other day, and I guess the best way to look at it is that I know you learn a lot about yourself and the struggles of life, and I certainly um, – that game, that, that season was a, uh, was a life-altering um, event just because, I mean, the way that you get challenged from these kinds of uh, struggles and the kind of person you come on the other side, hopefully. And so I, uh, I see it as you kind of put perspective on it the longer you get out, I guess is the right way to put it, but it's never easy and it continues to kind of be a, a pain in your heart. Well, because of that, Todd, I mean, and, and credit to the Will family, but I mean, you called the year a disappointment. I mean, were you surprised when you got the invitation that, that the Vikings wanted to celebrate the 1998 season? Yeah, no, I had, I had talked to my wife about that. It's like, you know, it's a great excuse to I'm I'm happy to come up on their on their um on their time as far as the flight and I, I appreciate the fact that they're doing this. I've got a chance one other time in the two uh Super Bowls ago to meet some of the Wills uh at the uh Houston Super Bowl and um they're it, it's not unexpected based on kind of how generous they are. And, um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's something that I've always struggled to celebrate things. I always feel like I'm on to the next objective. And so stopping and kind of looking back, it's, it's probably a healthy thing for me, even if I wouldn't have done it on my own. And you think about Todd, the regular season, I mean, you guys win 15 of 16. The one loss was, was a nail biter. Heck, you guys went four and zero in the preseason. If you want to include that, you win the first yeah. playoff game by twenty, and you look at a lot of those fifteen wins in the regular season. I mean, you were embarrassing teams. You won so many games by two, three, four scores. I mean, there is when you boil it down. I mean, there is a lot to celebrate, even if you guys didn't win the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, there's it. it it certainly was a special team and that's partially what makes it hard to kind of swallow because uh, there's, I could play for another 14 years and probably wouldn't be as fortunate to play on such a talented team. So it does wind up making it hard in some ways, but it's a, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, a piece of me continues to believe that like, I wish we would have maybe had a couple more struggles. The, the fact that we won, so uh, 
single, uh, like, it was so lopsided in so many occasions. It, I think it actually hurt us in that Atlanta game just because um, the, when I played with the Panthers the year we went to the Super Bowl, they nicknamed us the Cardiac Cats because we wind mm-hmm. up uh, winning so many games at the like by less than four points. I think we won like eight games. And it truly was like we had a double overtime game against the Rams in 04 that, that year that we uh, we wound up winning. Uh, and there was never a point in time where we really doubted that we were going to be able to do it. I, I think that there was – on the sidelines of the Vikings, I mean, you know what? Uh, I think there was the stress was palatable in some ways, just because you know what? It wasn't something that we were used to. We, I mean, we blew out Jacksonville. Arizona game in the playoffs was never really in dispute. It, it, it was. I would have liked to kind of tested our mental a few times during the season. I think it would have been helpful to us in that game. How crazy was the beginning of that regular season, Todd, when your starting quarterback goes down? And I get it. Randall Cunningham had an unbelievable run in Philadelphia. But nonetheless, I mean, Brad Johnson goes down, yet you have all this success with your number two quarterback. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Randall wasn't – it wasn't just that he was talented. He was also experienced. So the kind of composure that he – I mean, happy-go-lucky Randall – always kind of kept things pretty light in practice and but when he walked into the the huddle I mean I've seen plenty of guys go from kind of happy-go-lucky to completely stressed out and Randall obviously he played before played at a high level was at a place in his life where he wasn't really didn't have to prove anything to himself and he came in with just a great deal of confidence and uh, composure and I don't remember the specifics of the first drive but i think in general we we didn't miss a beat uh and that's not not a knock on brad at all it just speaks to the kind of guy randall was and how he was the he was bigger than the moment with no without question how much todd did your mind drift ahead to playing in miami in the super bowl did you make any plans leading into the playoffs before the atlanta nfc championship game in terms of you know, whether it's accommodations uh, uh, for family, uh, anything. I'll tell you this much. I hated Will Smith for that stupid going to Miami song. If <laughs> yes. I heard it one more time that year, it just was like, it was the darn mantra. And um, You had to, I mean, the success we were having, it really seemed like, you know what, we have a serious chance. But you, you do tr- force yourself to focus on the, the next footfall in terms of the, uh, the race to the final, uh, to the finish line. And so um, I never had any kind of uh, inclination to like book hotel rooms or anything like that. I, I knew that that stuff would take care of itself in the end. And um, But uh, it certainly was a circus-like atmosphere when it came to, it was obvious the, the, nation's eye was on us if you look at the media national media was at every stupid practice and it just seemed like a just a real uh, it was definitely different from other years in terms of the the focus that we had on us i do think what's forgotten especially as years have gone on todd and i think i'm guilty of this is how good atlanta was and i get it you guys were you guys were like 13 or 14 point favorites so in vegas you know everybody thought hey the vikings are winning the nfc but Correct me if I'm wrong. The Falcons were 14 and two, 
They yeah, had one heck of a team. Too. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, were no, that they, was a great team. Yeah, and no, I, I think that I don't know if we were. For, I mean, we probably were fourteen point favorites. I I don't think the if we played ourselves each other a hundred times, the average win margin would not be fourteen points. I think it might be a little bit less than that, but you know what? Uh, the point spread isn't really about like the expected. Uh, it's basically to try to. Uh, it's based on betting propensity, fan base, all those kinds of things. And so uh, we uh, we had a uh, legitimate chance. And but you know what? That being said, if we played them ten times. I bet we probably would have beat them eight. Uh, just they they were. Um, the right kind of breaks happened at the end. And so, yeah, it wasn't like we got beat by when I played in college, we were, um, we had a 10 and one season going against our, uh, I'm sorry, nine and one going into Stanford. Stanford was like three and eight or two and eight or something like that. And we lost to those guys. Uh, we wanted to finish seventh in the country and we had a chance to go to a bowl game, uh, new year's day and stuff. But that was like a, a true upset. I mean, the fact that they beat us and they only won two other games uh, versus Atlanta's obviously 14-2. and two. They've shown that they're a capable team, and they proved it on that day. I'll leave you with this, Ted. How how sad will this weekend be? I mean, whether it's, you know, Denny Green, Orlando Thomas, Corey Stringer, Chip Myers, you know, Fred Zambrelletti's funeral is, heck, tomorrow. I might even yeah. be leaving out, you know, an individual or two, but – you think about all the people that were a part of, of that special season that are now gone. Yeah, no, it is. It's, uh, you, um, someone else brought that up. Uh, um, I mean, obviously with, with Freddie, it winds up being, uh, just, it's even more poignant, more relevant. I mean, Freddie is, uh, truly, I think his official role after he left as the head trainer was, uh, uh, team historian. And that was really, uh, I mean, the, his him spanning the entire franchise uh it's truly unique uh not just to the vikings but really any other team i went and visited friday uh freddie the day before he died i, I flew up last weekend mm. and when i was uh, i spent a couple hours in the hospital room uh visiting with him and his family and uh a couple members of the the teams of the sixties came and visited with them as well. And it just was, um, it was neat. It was a neat opportunity to kind of say goodbye and stuff. And, um, I'm, uh, I'm glad I went up, but, uh, there's a number of guys, like you said, Corey and Orlando. And, uh, it's, um, uh, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but we're all getting older and just some of those were even more tragic how young they happened. And then on Denny, I mean, Denny will enter the Vikings Ring of Honor here in a couple of weeks. I mean, what did what did Denny mean to you? Um, no, what Denny was just, you know, what he was a man's man who treated you with respect, and he like he he put uh, he had a saying that like, you know, what I've never find a guy. I've cut a bunch of guys, but I've never find a guy, and that like he wasn't gonna wind up like he expected you to uh, to prepare like a pro to be in the right place at the right time. And if you couldn't, he wasn't going to like micromanage you, but if you couldn't handle that responsibility, you weren't, you weren't going to be on his team. And the, but that kind of respect and that kind of, uh, uh, the way that he delegated authority and you see the Denny's coaching tree 
it might not be Bill Walsh, but it's pretty darn significant when you look at the kind of guys that came up underneath him and he influenced, whether it be Tony Dungy or Bill, uh, or Brian Billick or um, uh, I'm uh, blanking on, I mean, guys with a long history that Denny really touched and made a significant impact on it, uh, uh, and let alone the players and the kind of players that we had coming through the locker room at that time. So um, significant uh, uh, props to Denny for him giving me a chance at the beginning of my career, and um, and I think a lot of guys feel the same way. Uh, thank you for doing this. It was fun catching up. Did you say you're, you're after, what, your second Masters? Did you say that right? Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly, geez. exactly. So I mean, most of us cannot uh, relate to that. So, yeah, I mean, best of luck on that front. Trust me, <laughs> I'm I'm grateful that I somehow got a degree from the University of Minnesota that took me six years, and now you're chasing your second master. So, kudos well, to my you. First, my first undergrad took 20 years, so uh, <laughs> a little bit of. Uh, I, I went back when I finished when I was 40 years old after I was done with. Uh, so I kind of got in the academic groove, if you will, and try to keep it up. Well, good for you, Todd. Have a safe trip up here on Saturday, and hopefully we'll connect in person in the near future. Hey, thanks a lot, dude. Take care. Bye. Former Vikings offensive tackle from 94 to 2000, that was Todd Stusey. There's a big gathering in town this weekend, a 20-year anniversary gathering, over 30 players, coaches. I know Brian Billick is giving a speech at a Dinner on Saturday night that actually a friend of mine is emceeing. So it should be a tremendous weekend, a gathering of many people from the 1998 team. Not everybody can make it into town. Gary Anderson had a previously scheduled trip. Some others like Red McCombs, who's 90, told our web guy at KSTP.com, Frank, that he actually never saw the invitation, but the Vikings did send Red an invitation. But at 90, did he forget? Did it not get to him? Who knows if Red can even travel, so owner Red McCombs from that year will not be in town. But I just know a lot of luminaries tied to the 98 Vikings will be here this weekend. Vivid Seats helps keep the Scoop podcast going. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. Think about Vikings Niners on Sunday or Vikings Bills. Vikings Saints isn't that far away in October. So many good Vikings games that you can go to at U.S. Bank Stadium. Heck, the Vikings should be really, really good. How good remains to be seen. Do they win as many as 13 games like they did last year? Okay, maybe that's really hard to achieve, but they have, at least on paper, more talent than last year. So this certainly has a chance to be a very special season for the Vikings. So if you've never been to a game at U.S. Bank Stadium, or if you've been, you know how great it is. Think about utilizing Vivid Seats for your Vikings ticket needs. It is online, vividseats.com, or they have a tremendous app, a very easy-to-use app that you can find. So whether it's the Vivid Seats app or online, vividseats.com, think about utilizing Vivid Seats for your Vikings ticket needs. Some Vikings notes in case you missed it. Field Yates of ESPN, the first to report this. I certainly can confirm it, that the Vikings were one of a few teams to put a claim in on former Lions defensive end. He was great at Penn State a few years ago. Anthony Zettel, last year for the Lions was a breakout year for Zettel. He started all 16 games, had six and a half sacks, one forced fumble. It was pretty shocking that the Lions decided to part ways with Zettel. No surprises, the Browns, number one on the priority list, got him. The Browns put the claim in for a good player. They have waiver priority over everyone, so the Browns got him. But the Vikings did try to put a claim in 
on Zettel, as did the Green Bay Packers. So the Vikings really never had a chance, but hey, shoot your shot, right? The worst that can happen is you don't get the guy, but if you don't put the claim in, you have no chance. But because the Vikings were, of all the teams that put in a claim on Zettel at the bottom of the totem pole, they had no chance. But do note that the Vikings did put a claim in on a defensive end. Mackenzie Alexander listed as doubtful for Sunday. Mike Hughes has been preparing all week as if he will be the nickelback. Otherwise, no real surprises. Pat Elfline, there is some positivity that he could be back as soon as a week from Sunday. If he's not back for week two against Green Bay, he should be back for week three against Buffalo. But certainly, week two against Green Bay has not been eliminated. When he does come back, look for Brett Jones to slide over to left guard. At least there will be some healthy competition. Now, if Tom Compton has a really good game on Sunday, it would be hard to yank the starting job away from him. But I think the idea internally, in fact, I'm positive, the idea internally in Egan is that Jones eventually slides over to be the left guard. What other notes do I have? On the Timberwolves front, they worked out a number of free agents this week. Shameless plug on Twitter, DWolfson, KSTP. DWolfson, KSTP. I can't always find a microphone. Can't always record podcasts, so if I hear something that's on the fly, I oftentimes tweet it out. If it's close to airtime for Channel 5, my number one goal is to get it on TV. Or if I have an upcoming radio hit on 1500 ESPN, I certainly can save it for radio at times. But I did tweet out earlier in the week that the Wolves worked out notable names, Nick Young, Corey Brewer, and Aaron Aflalo. I can also note that on Thursday, Eric Moreland, the former Detroit Piston, was in for a workout. John Krasinski of The Athletic had some other names. Marcus Georges Hunt, who played for the Wolves last year. Certainly interesting that he came in for a tryout when the Wolves have the book on him. Then Rashad Vaughn and John Jenkins. Jenkins is a good shooter. Those names, it's just a reminder that getting an NBA job, staying in the NBA for a sustained amount of time is not easy. I've always said, if you listen to this podcast, I'm a broken record, that there are more NBA players and jobs available. Just look at the guys that are looking for jobs right now that were in town this week. All right, all that being said, the Wolves aren't adding any free agent until Luol Dang makes up his mind. The Wolves want Luol Dang. If Luol Dang chooses the Wolves, it's possible they don't add anyone else. Although keep in mind, James Nunnally's contract is not fully guaranteed. So if they want that flexibility of keeping that 15th contract roster spot open, They could always part ways with Nunnally at some point during the year if they wanted to, if they also want to add, let's say, you know, Joe Kim Noah, or if they wanted to add Nick Young and Luol Dang or Dang and somebody else. They do have roster flexibility, but I do know that they do want to keep that final spot open, and certainly they're not doing anything with James Nunnally anytime soon, and he worked out. He had a free agent workout with the Wolves going back to earlier in the summer, and he impressed them, so there's no reason to part ways with Nunnally, who likely comes in as their best three-point shooter. We'll wait and see if he's able to earn minutes. But James Nunnally is here to stay for at least a tiny amount of time, if not a decent amount of time, if not maybe the whole season. So I'm just telling you, let's wait and see what Luol Deng decides. I did hear that Toronto is also kicking the tires. So Luol will have a few options, or at least a couple options. But certainly the Wolves like their chances to land Luol Dang. So all those names I listed off, that's fine, that's dandy, but Luol Dang is the Wolves' priority. The Wolves start training camp the week of September 24th. Early that week, I was told that Carl Anthony Towns is very, 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 very likely to not be in town or at least be at Mayo Clinic Square anytime before then. So 
it's unwritten, but it's one of those things that's almost presumed, especially for young guys, that, hey, right after Labor Day, you'll be at Mayo Clinic Square working out. And certainly guys are at Mayo Clinic Square working out, whether it's C.J. Williams, Nunnally, you know, other guys are there working out at Mayo Clinic Square. But I was told, don't expect Carl Anthony Towns in town, really, or if he's in town, that he's not going to go to Mayo Clinic Square anytime really before September 24th. Cole Aldrich, former Wolves center. Charlie Walters had the initial steam, then I'm able to advance it from this standpoint. Charlie had the initial report that Cole is signing a contract with the Atlanta Hawks. Here's where I can advance the story. It is a non-guaranteed training camp deal. But talking to Cole, heck, he was on this podcast a few weeks ago, a past episode in the last month or so. I do know that he is highly motivated to stick. So even though Atlanta has over 15 contracts, you know, he's going to do his very best to stick in Atlanta. But it is a non-guaranteed contract for Cole Aldrich with the Atlanta Hawks. What else do I have? I was over at Breck High School earlier this week. I'm working on a TV story on David Roddy. He takes his official visit to the Gophers' basketball program in a week, visits Colorado State this weekend. Then he said he visits Northwestern in October. And I would say he is open-minded. In fact, you know, Wyoming is still putting on the full-court press on the football front. He's that good of a quarterback and defensive end. But Wyoming wants him as a quarterback. But he's a really good defensive end. He's also Brex punter. He's just this all-world athlete. I'm telling you, know the name. David Roddy, senior, Breck High School. But the Gophers will attempt to win him over in a week. But I would say at this point from talking to him the other day, He is pretty wide open. Certainly the basketball offers trump the football offers in terms of, you know, prestige. But he is not eliminating anything at this point. He figures he'll make up his mind after the football season, before the basketball season. But that is fluid. That certainly could change. And certainly those close to him think, yeah, I mean, with with the basketball offers he has. And an ACC school is also interested, so maybe he gets another basketball offer in the near future that he likely goes the basketball route not the football route, but we'll keep an eye on David Roddy of Breck. Richard Patino of the Gophers has an in-home visit with Matthew Hurt on Monday. Who else is seeing Hurt? On Sunday, it's Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, so Calipari, Self, Shashevsky. I know that Duke is in first. I know Shashevsky wanted to be in before anyone. I know Calipari was like, hey, let me just see you on the first day. It doesn't matter if I'm first in the house in the morning. So I do know that Duke is first, though, on Sunday. Then North Carolina, Hubert Davis will also be in early next week to see Matthew Hurd of Rochester John Marshall. Then Roy Williams will be in like in a week. I know Roy can't make it early next week, but Roy Williams will also be in to Rochester to see Matthew Hurd yet again in the very near future. Then Richard Patino, as I noted in episode 171, has an in-home visit on Thursday, next Thursday, with Zeke Naji of Hopkins. If you want all of Zeke's upcoming visits, including Bill Self, and John Calipari on Sunday. So Self and Calipari will bounce between Hopkins and Rochester to see Hurt and Najee. If you want the full schedule for Najee's happenings in the month of September, check out Scoop Podcast episode 171. Paul Molitor and Byron Buxton finally caught up on Thursday. I'm told the conversation went fine. All right, that should do it for Scoop Podcast episode 172. Hopefully I gave you enough to chew on for the weekend. Did I mention that the Wild quietly shopped Jared Spurgeon in the summer? I don't know if that's out there or not. They never came close to trading him. I still think Paul Fenton has a pretty sizable trade up his sleeve. 
that will be coming, whether it's right before the season or shortly after the season starts. But do look for the Wild to still shake up the roster to some degree well before the trade deadline, although it takes two to tango. So if he continues to get really bad offers, I guess he'll stand pat. But I do know that Paul Fenton is looking to make moves. Also, Bruce Boudreaux caught up with KSTP's Jay Coles the other day for a story about his connection to 9-11 that will air on Channel 5 Sunday night at 10 o'clock a couple days before the 9-11 remembrance. But Jay also threw him a couple hockey questions. Bruce was saying that Zach Parisi looks the best he's ever looked in a wild uniform. That Bruce said, hey, it looks like Zach is back to his New Jersey days. Now, he's 33 years old, I guess, for me. I'll believe it when I see it. But Bruce Boudreaux was gushing about how good Zach Parisi looks in the informal scrimmages leading into next week's start of training camp. The first official wild training camp practice is on Friday the 14th. All right, that does it for Scoop Podcast episode 172. Be sure to support Vivid Seats and everybody else that helps keep this podcast going. Have a great weekend. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Change your vehicle's oil before your summer road trip and save money now with Pennzoil and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic for just $22.95 after mail-in rebate. Save money and protect your engine against sludge and wear with the synthetic oil change. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today or O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.